Hello and welcome to the Knit British podcast. Knit British loves wool that's been grown, spun or dyed in the UK. I'm your host Louise and on today's episode we have a book review and giveaway of the Bletchley Collection, a yarn review of the Ginger Twist Luscious Worsted Yarn, news of our hap along, I'm going to be talking a little bit about Knit Local and all my latest news. So grab a drink, grab a whip and let's get going with episode 23 of the Knit British podcast. Hello and welcome into episode 23 of the Knit British podcast. What a week it's been. Remember episode 12 when I had the Yarndale hangover? Well, I feel a little bit like I've got the pod retreat hangover. (laughs) But more on that in a moment. How are you doing? It's lovely to have you joining me again. A big hello to all listeners who are joining me for the first time today. It's really lovely to have you here. And I hope you enjoy what you hear. And if so, please go over to the Knit British Ravelry group and join in there and say hello. It's always lovely to welcome new listeners and you'll find that there's quite a welcoming crowd at the Knit British Ravelry group. And hello and welcome back to those of you who are Knit British stalwarts. It's lovely to have your company. So how are you doing? How has your week been? Have you been unravelling? And I mean that in the yarn festival sense rather than, you know, actually unravelling. I know lots of you are sitting on your yarn buying hands at the moment because so many of you are going to Edinburgh Yarn Festival. How are you coping? Because I know a lot of you wait for the for the yarn festival season to come around and you pick the shows that you want to go to and try and keep your budget for then. So I hope those of you who are coming to Edinburgh Yarn Festival that you are, are coping okay. I feel very much the social butterfly. It's been an, uh, a knit-packed, fun-packed, knitting-centric sort of week. Literally, quite literally, smoking. Uh, but more on that later. I started off last week in Edinburgh and was making plots and plans with Edinburgh Yarn Festival organisers Joe and Mika. I can't believe it's less than three weeks till the Edinburgh Yarn Festival. Can you? In fact, when this goes out, it'll be two weeks to the Edinburgh Yarn Festival. I can't believe that. It's unbelievable. It's just, I'm get, I know myself and people who are going, everyone's getting very sprickly. Now, sprickly or sprickly is a really good Shetland term for that sort of tingly, hair on end, excited feeling when when you've got that excitement about an event or something that's coming up, you feel quite sprickly. And it's a good word, I think, that sort of explains that sort of jumpy excitedness. Edinburgh Yarn Festival sprickliness has well and truly said. But I'm more sprickly about Podcast Lounge, of course, and I'll talk a bit about that later. After Edinburgh, I headed down to Chester for a night before embarking on Pod Retreat 2015. And boy, was that memorable. (laughs) In some ways, I feel I should just tell you to tune in to to the Shiny Bees episode about Pod Retreat, which I'm sure will be forthcoming, because her take will be far more tragicomic than mine. It's the way she tells them. (laughs) In her own inimitable way. But I will endeavour to give you a little bit of a rundown of what we got up to. 
Pod Retreat 2015 was arranged by the tremendous Nick from Yarns on the Plain, who'd organised a similar trip last year with Amy from Harbour Yarns, also known as Knit Spin Cake. This year, it was just Nick that was organising it, and it was in a very rural Welsh lo- location near Llansanen in North Wales. Meeting fellow pottery eater Jem, who is just Jem on, on Twitter and Ravelry, we met for a cuppa at Chester train station and then I was met by Nick, so I sort of left Jem to await a lift from Jo Milmine, the lovely shiny bees, and her sock surgery buddy Kate Reed. A lift that sadly would not rise. <laughs> I left Jem and said, oh, yes, Joe's going to be about 20 minutes. I'll just jump in this packed car with, with Nick because there was only room for me. Um, see you soon. See you later. But that sadly didn't happen because Joe later broke down and had to get towed back to Wigan. So despite breakdowns and traffic signs that lied and a detour via mould, most of us arrived at our farmhouse at Hendry Allard, while Jem, Joe and Kate arrived later via the real train station. There was a group of nine of us, and I'll give you their ravelry names as well as their first names. It's Nick from Tales, Who's Tales from the Plain, Shiny Bees, Joe Milmine, Greenside Knits, who is Liz, Just Jem, who is Jem, Poke to Goblin, the lovely Alice. Steaders, who is Steaders. <laughs> Gingenie, who is Kate. And Felteria, who is Fee. And it was just, as soon as I went in there, I just knew, yeah, these are my people. We all have the shared interest in knitting. But but it was just a really lovely bunch of uh, gals and uh, just clicked with them all. They're really lovely. The farmhouse was really beautiful. It was very rural and had uh, a lot of rustic charm. And when I say rustic, that too refers to the last mile or so of road getting to the property. Well, let's just say I've seen better sheep paths than, than this road. At one point in the directions, it says drive over a field uh, in brackets. There is a road. Uh, not much of a discernible one, but there is one. <laughs> The first night on the Thursday was a bit of a decompress and get to know each other and also get reacquainted with those um, that we'd met before. And do I even need to mention that we knitted? It was just a given. It's It was really lovely, as I say, to meet these people that I've known on Ravelry and, and on Twitter and to get to meet them in real life. And, uh, Nick, amazingly, had cooked all the meals. I had sort of had this idea that we were all just going to muck in a bit like, you know, guide camp. We were just all going to muck in. But she had cooked everything and all we had to do was heat it up. And so what a star. Thanks so much to her for that. And she also brought eggs kindly provided by her hens, which was even better. And I should say that my Friday morning breakfast was kindly provided by Joe, who cooked those eggs for me (laughs) and was sort of the unofficial poached egg prepping queen of the weekend. We had a workshop on the Friday afternoon with B, who is a friend of Nick's and she's Crafts from the Dungeon, she's that website, and as well as teaching us about freeform knitting and crochet, she brought her pop-up shop of spinning and weaving crafts, yarns, wo- her woven wares and her, her beautiful decorative glass items. It was really lovely to have this element at the weekend. I mean, the freeform knitting wasn't really my thing, but I only figured that out after doing it and it's always great to learn new skills and that's only the way you find out if you if you're going to like something or not but it it was really interesting we knit a piece a small piece of scumble and we just square and then picked up stitches and knitted another shape onto that and and created a different shaped base 
onto which that we embellished um, onto the surface of that with crochet and knitting. And B showed us a waistcoat that she'd made using this technique and also a bag that she'd created. It was very interesting, really was interesting. But as I say, I did learn that I preferred form rather than free form. So that was that was really good as I really liked that element of having a focus, you know, a workshop based focus. And when B departed, then Nick got her pop up shop and her fantastic uh, yarns from the plain wares. And we'd already been spoiled, by the way, I should say, with our own pod retreat colourway yarn from Nick, which came in our totally unexpected goodie bag. I really wasn't expecting something like that. And I'd actually been caught up in a conversation on Twitter about how goodie bags don't lure me to go to events. I'm going for the interesting people and the, you know, the great times rather than than the goodie bag lure. But it was really nice and really (laughs) unexpected. And it included a bag which had been made by Liz and a Shaun the Sheep pattern and yarn from Rowan uh, to make the Shaun the Sheep and this beautiful skein of Nick's Chelford base which is 75% Blueface Leicester 25% Nylon dyed in our own Hendry Allard colourway which was just really really special and it's a gorgeous mix of blues, purples, greens very much like the landscape that was around us. I ha- I went for a walk with Fee on Friday afternoon and I said, oh my goodness, we should have brought our skeins with us because we're standing at the top of this hill and the colours, looking at the sort of deep purple colours and the, the sort of greens and, and yellows and that almost spring-like turning of, of the colours was very similar to the to a lot of the colours that's in in this this beautiful skein. So I sort of missed that out. But I'll put I'll put I'll put, I'll put the picture up that I took of of the landscape, so you can see what I mean. And I'll put a picture up of the yarn. So she'd already spoiled us by by giving our, us our own bespoke pod retreat colourway yarn. But her other yarns were all delightful, really delightful, very very squish worthy. And I said to Stedra, actually, the Stanley four ply was so squishy. It was almost squealing in pain because it just had that squeeze till you till <laughs> till you felt it yield. <laughs> it was just so squishy and so bouncy. She also had some North Ronaldy and Falklands Merino, and her Exmoor and Alpaca range took an Aran and a double weight double double knit in this, and they were just luscious, uh, really really luscious. Uh, the double knit is a dusky pink, and the Aran is really luscious. Granny Smith Green. I'll give you pictures. They're actually, I'm waiting them in the post because I sent my yarn home because I didn't have enough room in my suitcase. Because I bought yarn, of course, as well. Bought more yarn than just that. So uh, I'll, I'll put up pictures when I when I get them. But these yarns are just lovely. And I was actually cradling them. And when I went upstairs for my purse, I gave the skeins to, to Nick. And I said, don't let anybody have these. These are mine. These are mine. Of course, that was just ammunition for Jem to steal them and and run away with them and knock Nick out to get them but never mind I got them back in the end and then I then I didn't let them go for a long time I just sort of cradled them like a small child <laughs> it was really difficult not to buy fibre as well because she has a lot of dyed fibre and lots of beautiful British bases she's got Shropshire wool, Jacobs there's lots of lovely BFL, really beautiful tops, really beautifully dyed. And I just, I couldn't justify it because I still have have fleece that I, sorry, I still have tops that I bought at Yarndale that I haven't spun yet. And 
So I can't really justify, because I'm such a slow spinner, and I just spin on the spindle, that I can't really justify buying more. But I loved, I really, really was taken by, I think it was called Paintbox, it was, which is a, a over-dyed grey Jacobs fibre, and really lovely colours, really lovely colours. I just need to maybe learn on a wheel, and then I'll get a bit faster. <laughs> so yes, that was lovely to have a fantastic pop-up, two pop-up shops on the Friday. Uh, Friday also we did a yarn swap which we had all contributed something to and this was something to about the value of £15. It could be yarn from Stash but it had to be nice yarn and uh, yeah so I, I probably shouldn't say what I gave and, and you know we just put all the wrapped parcels in a box and drew names for. and I was immediately uh, taken by this. All I could see was the owl wrapping paper and that there was little owls sort of in knit texture and I just thought I'll have owls uh, I couldn't wait to open it we all opened ours together and I had three skeins of double knit West Yorkshire spinners BFL BFL Air Valley so happy just the nicest I just couldn't have picked a better one really to for it to be British and it's in the rainbow colourway so it's really bright and wonderful and three skeins that's like you know that's a lot I could knit a lot with that so I was utterly chuffed and again was <laughs> squeezing these yarns to myself and, and I was just utterly in love with them so I was just so happy with my pick as were everyone else and actually uh, Liz had woven a scarf as her um, swap and Everybody had, that had been on Pod Street before was sort of coveting this, and everyone who hadn't been on Pod Street before had heard about this woven scarf and how beautiful it was, and and we were all wondering who was going to get it this year, and Alice got it, and it's woven scarf made with um, sock yarn, and it's just so shiny and colourful and lustrous and draped beautifully around her, and Joe had Joe had got it last year, and so she was wearing her one, and they looked beautiful in their greenside knit scarves, and. Actually, I think we all have to blame uh, Liz and also uh, Nick because as well as Liz having these woven scarves, Nick brought her Katie loom and gave us a little bit of a demonstration of how to use it. And I know that myself and Alice and Jem have all been looking at looms since we came back from Pond Street. <laughs> all wanted to make these beautiful scarves, I think. Uh, so maybe anybody Yarn Festival, I'll have to go loom shopping. I don't know. <laughs> watch this face. Saturday at Pod Street was all about day tripping and we went to Rill and had fish and chips and I went for a quick trip to the beach. Some of us were very brave and went paddling um, or one of us Nick. Uh, then we went to Denby to the chocolate shop cafe which didn't have any brownies we all wanted a brownie but it didn't, they didn't have any brownies so I was quite disappointed but my chocolate muffin was a pass and it was really lovely, very bright pink chocolate cafe and a sh- chocolate shop and uh, bijou. But we all got our knitting out. And uh, Saturday evening, we were back at the farmhouse and settling into our knitting. And we were doing some Robin Thick song analysing. And we called him Robin Thick. And all of a sudden, the lights went flick, flick, flick out. And so. We thought it was a bit strange, but we had been told that one of the radiators had been tripping out, so had been shown where the fuse box was. So Nick went to investigate, etc. And and then there was the reply, um, fire. (laughs) It wasn't quite a fire, but the fuse box was smoking quite profusely. 
But thankfully, the owners were on uh, in one of their nearby properties for the weekend because they don't actually live there. So they were alerted really quickly and the, the smoking was, was, was sort of put out, uh, but there was no power. And being so remote uh, and being a Saturday evening, there wasn't much that could be done. I think it was about half past eight in the evening, actually. I mean, thankfully, there were two other cottages on the farm and the owners just absolutely went out of their way to get us there and put us up there. They were so apologetic. I mean, there's nothing they they could have done. Absolutely nothing they could have done. It was a freak occurrence. Nothing could have been done to prevent it, you know, from happening. We, I mean, it was like blitz spirit in in that darkness. We all had our we all had our mobile phone torches on. We had music and we were having a bit of a dance. There was there was some alcohol, and so we actually, for the most part, had had some fun in there. It was it was all good fun. I actually think I was for. Being at a near crisis, I was with the best bunch of people. Uh, so after a very late night supper and we, you know a relocation, we bedded down and it was a bit sleepover style. There were some, you know, mattresses on the floor and there was there were board games and I think there was quite a lot of alcohol. Um, but sadly, Sunday morning came around too quickly and it was time to pack up and go. Most of us had a long train or car journey ahead of us, apart from Nick who had. I didn't have too far to go. Jem and Kate were probably the longest, but I know I was glad to see my bed at the Ibis by seven o'clock when I arrived into Edinburgh. But I was actually awake for quite some time reflecting on what a wonderful weekend it was and such a lot of laughing and knitting and a lot of pet talk. I can tell you it's quite nice to talk about pets with people who have pets. Because <laughs> quite often if you talk about your cat to someone who doesn't have a cat, they're like, she's a crazy cat lady. So it was quite nice to be uh, around some crazy pet ladies. Um, and great, it was just great camaraderie. It was everything that I hoped it would be and so much more. I've been full of, of ideas and really looking forward to seeing some of the people, potter who are coming to the Edinburgh Yarn Festival in a couple of weeks. Looking forward to seeing them again. And yeah, looking forward to the next one and vying for the next Greenside Knit Scarf. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much Nick for organising it and planning such tremendous fun and as I say cooking all those meals and you really went out of your way to make it a fantastic weekend and thanks to her, Steaders, Jem, Kate, Liz Fee, Joe, and Alice for your wonderful company and it was excellent if I had had to burn alive in a remote Welsh farmhouse well, well, let's, I'll not finish that sentence, but I'm just glad there was a fire extinguisher. <laughs> Book review. I don't know if you are on Instagram, but in the days leading up to this book, there were gorgeous teaser shots from the collection and this made its release even more tantalising. The book is The Bletchley Collection, which is a collaboration between designer Joanne Scrace and Eden Cottage Yarns. Inspired by World War II and the British Codebreakers, Bletchley Collection is a capsule collection which is really wearable designs but with a beautiful understated vintage feel. The designs use Eden Cottage Yarns Milburn Four Ply, which is a blend of British Blueface Leicester and Silk, which has been expertly spun and dyed in Italy. It's such a lovely yarn. It's silky and soft, yet very strong. It's got a fantastic high twist. 
and it is quite unlike other BFL sock yarns I've used recently. I'll be looking at that yarn in a few weeks and reviewing it for you, but the emphasis on that yarn is sort of versatile, lustrous, drapey, so you already have a bit of an idea about how these garments will look. The collection is designed by Joanne Scrace, or Not So Granny, as she is on Ravelry. And she's a knit and crochet designer, and you will have definitely seen her designs in the Knitter, Inside Crochet, Knit Now, Simply Crochet. She also is one half of the Crochet Project, along with Kat Golden. And they publish annual collections of beautiful wearable crochet designs, featuring talented designers and beautiful yarns and they are going to be at the Edinburgh Yarn Festival. I know that they're teaching there, so seek them out. The book itself consists of six patterns. Four are knit and two are crochet. There's the Tunny Hat, which is a crochet berry inspired by the cogs of a cipher machine. Hut 8 is a textured yoke cardigan that could be dressed up or down. Bordeaux is a very clever hat which is a tribute to the punched ribbon tapes from the machines and uh, the open work on this hat actually spells out knit and tink in secret code which I just think is awesome. Colossus is a pretty flattering cabled vest uh, which is named after the first programmable computer. Bomb is my favourite, I think. It's a colourwork cowl and I think it uses all of the colours in the Milburn range. And that is the one that as soon as I looked at it, I thought this needs to get on my needles. I think it might sort out my need for Fair Isle as well. Morse code is the final pattern and it's a 1940s style crochet cardigan that Kira Knightley would be jealous of in an invitation game. <laughs> and as I say, that bomb cowl with its very simple colourwork pattern of of uh, different coloured circles. What a fantastic stash buster and very, very wearable, very wearable. I also just love the Bordeaux hat. still has that vintage feel, that 1930s, 1940s berry. And again, another one that I think will be wiggling its way onto my needles very soon is the Hot 8 cardigan. It's got a lot of garter in it, which of course you know I love. That forms ribbed sections um, around the yoke. It is a top-down cardigan and it's seamless, which is fantastic. Sort of circular detail um, around the yoke and around the top of the arms. And I, I really like that. It's got a very everyday kind of feel, but I think it would be actually really lovely with a nice you know, blouse underneath it or throw on to go out with. I, I really like that. And I think that's the thing about this collection is that they are all extremely wearable pieces and very, very charming book and uh, one that I know many knitters were coveting, especially due down to those teasing tweets and Instagram pictures from Victoria. The book is really beautifully laid out. The patterns are very clear, have very clear instructions and they're actually they're easy to follow and they're actually a joy to read. I have a massive bugbear about books and magazines which try to squish patterns into one page in various columns. You can sort of understand that from, from a magazine's point of view, but there's absolutely no need for that in a book. And this really adds to the aesthetic of the book. Photography is by Eden Cottage Yarns. Victoria Magnus and if you follow uh, Victoria on Instagram or Twitter or you uh, visit her shop at Eden Cottage Yarns you will know that she takes fantastic photos of her yarn and when she takes pictures of garments the emphasis is on the garment. I That's another little bugbear, bugbear of mine is, is 
quite often in in project photos it's the emphasis is on the on the model rather than what they're wearing and with Victoria's photos you really get an essence of what how that garment is going to wear you see the different angles of it you really get the emphasis of the beauty of the yarn and the beauty of the design and located in Bletchley Park as well of course on location which matters a lot you know that's 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 fantastic uh, another thing that I really love about the layout is that there is Morse code on each page <laughs> now because I don't read Morse code I'm assuming that the Morse code on each page is the name of the pattern that's on that page but I think that is such a fantastic touch there is also exceptional photography of the garment knitted the patterns are laid out beautiful and there is also schematics which ticks a lot of boxes for a lot of knitters for patterns such as Colossus Vest and the Tony Hat, of course, you have you have written instructions as well as charted. Again, that means such a lot to a lot of knitters. Some knitters don't like charts. Some knitters don't like written. Really, this book is charming with a capital CH. It does tick a lot of boxes. It's something for lovers of vintage as well as different styles and techniques and I think all knitters will love that it's books good on your coffee table as well as placed demurely in your lap as you knit from it. Recently there have been some unbelievable collaborations that have yielded special collections like this and I'm thinking particularly of Ginger Toe Studio and Claire Divine and the Head to Toe book and this is another very special collaboration and I hope we see more of this in the future. Victoria's yarns truly deserve to be married with the designer, with the inspiration and innovation uh, of Joanne. I'm a, I'm a big fan of designs which go the extra mile and talk about where the impetus and inspiration comes from, and that's in this book. And I love the information that accompanies each design and tells you a little bit about why Joanne was inspired to to create and what specifically from Bletchley Park, whether it's the the hut where the clerical workers worked alongside the code breakers, whether it's parts of the machines, the cipher machines and elements such as that. It's so interesting to put that in there. I get the feeling that that both Victoria and Joanne had a lot of fun coming up with this collection and it's really evident in the images and the accompanying text. These designs are wearable, practical, they have a playful vintage edge and I think that you will really enjoy Bletchley knitting from it and also reading it. The Bletchley collection is available from Eden Cottage Yarns in its printed form and Ravelry for the ebook which is £12 and the patterns are also available to purchase singly. The printed book costs £15 and will be a very lovely addition to your knitting library. I buy a lot of knitting books and to me they're my art books. And personally, this is something that I know I will pick up just to leaf through it and look at those beautiful photographs to read a little bit about the inspiration and to definitely knit from it. Well, hopefully I might grab both uh, Victoria and Joanne at Embry Yarn Festival for a quick chat about Bletchley, if possible. But they have very kindly given me a book to give away to one of you lucky readers. And you are very lucky because this, as I've said, is a really special collection. I will also be reviewing that Melbourne yarn at the end of the month. And there is a cal going on in the Eden Cottage Yarns Ravelry group. So if you're interested, I'll put a link in the show notes. But to be in with a chance of winning the beautiful Bletchley Collection book, 
please go to the show notes post for this episode, which you will find at www.knitbritish.net forward slash ep hyphen 23. And if you go to that post, go down to the comments thread and tell me which one of the six Bletchley collection patterns you can't wait to cast on or get your crochet hook out for. Because I'm going to be away, I'm going to run this competition until the end of March. So you have until Tuesday the 31st of March to enter this competition. Thank you so very much to Victoria for donating a copy of that to give away and for letting me review this really amazing book. Uh, If you enjoy your knitting with a bit of a a vintage edge, but you like fresh and wearable designs, you're going to love this book. Now, this leads nicely on to my yarn view for Ginger Twist Studios. I have had it on... on, um, authority from Jess at Ginger Twist that on the 1st of March if you like Eden Cottage yarns maybe you should jump over to Jess's website something going on there maybe something going on there but that's all I can say when I was in Edinburgh at Christmas I visited Jess's shop and she was telling me about this new yarn base that she has and it's called Luscious it's worsted weight yarn And I could see it shining across the room from me. Now, to be fair, it's a small shop, but this was glistening, blinding me from across the room. Uh, And Jess kindly offered me a skein to review, and I obviously jumped at the chance to knit with it. Because Luscious is British Blueface Leicester, Cashmere and Silk. Let that sink in. Blueface Leicester, Cashmere and Silk. That's 70%, 20% and 10%. Can you hear the angels singing? Actually, they're probably weeping because they can't knit with it. <laughs> All this loveliness. Now, I, I've just said a whole mouthful there. I have an eye with BFL, cashmere and silk. I've said so much in those three <laughs> words. Um, I wanted to knit some a special one skin project that would really show off the colour, which is Little Cat Feet. Beauteous silvers and greys, and I also wanted to, sh- to knit something that would show off all that soft splendour and be uh, used in a place where it was most appreciated. So I went for the Cupido Cowl, which is by uh, from Please Don't Eat the Daisies, and it has a lovely slip stitch design that I felt would show off those silvers and metallics, but you know have those three fibres around your neck, so soft. Um, I just thought that that was the perfect thing to knit with it so let's talk about the yarn itself in the hand squish grab it's another one for you floopy smooshy lovers but it has a bounce back it has you squish it so far and it has a bounce back it shows that it's got a wee bit of backbone and it's that very smooth twist i think gives it that it's a, it's a very soft yarn but it's spun with a lovely bit of spring and actually when i haven't been knitting with it i've just been boinging it <laughs> <laughs> which sounds rude but basically I've just been holding the working yarn in my hand and giving it a wee stretch and let it ping back it's got tightly coiled springiness in it buttery soft is a term that was invented for this yarn that ply is just so smooth and silky and it's really plump and it's got that that lovely plump springiness and it's got a sheen on it like nothing else I mean like I said it really was glistening across the shop for me knitting with it was obviously a dream stitches moved so smoothly on the needles and the working yarn in your hands is so soft that you can barely feel it. <laughs> Cupido cowl is a free pattern and it's 
very simple stitch pattern to remember. Uh, you slip stitches in the pattern over a knit and purl uh, base fabric, really. So you get the effect of little Vs over what looks like a, you know, a garter stitch background. And it's just such a lovely texture. It's incredibly visually pleasing to look at. Uh, the stitch definition is wonderful. The subtle flow of silvers and metallic greys in the yarn also shows off that texture to a T and adds more visual interest. It truly is a stunning yarn in both base and dye and it's begging for you to use it in a special project. This yarn has knitted up into a really soft drapey fabric. It's dripping with shine as I've said. It will be lovely in special knits for sweaters and accessories. In fact I know Jess is knitting the cover cardi from the most recent pom-pom in this which I can't remember but I'll put in the show notes. And as well as being available in worsted, uh, worsted it's available in four ply. So have that on my shopping list for Edinburgh Yarn Festival because this yarn will make a stunning shawl yarn. It's luxurious, lustrous, it's silvery, it's slinky. In fact, it's sort of like the negligee of yarns. <laughs> you will want to wrap it around you and have it next to your skin and get it on your needles. I'm blocking this at the moment and that was also a pleasure uh, to do. It Possibly it's softened up even more. And the fabric surface is so soft, it's unbelievable. It doesn't lose the shine. Luscious is available from Jess in her hand-dyed colourways. I think there are six uh, on in the shop at the moment. The worsted costs £23 for 115 grams, which is 200 metres. I've knitted the cupita cowl in the small size, but I've actually knitted it deeper than the 20 centimetres that it required because I like um, more of the fabric. I wanted more of that lovely soft fabric around my neck. So I'll show you the pictures of that. I have quite a lot of yarn left over. I have a, um, So I think you could possibly, maybe not knit the large size, but knit somewhere in between by adding on a few stitches and you could easily do that. Um, as I say, very special one skein project or very extra special garment yarn really fantastic so that that's the 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 worsted and the four ply is 23 pounds also and for 100 grams you get 400 meters so there you go one skein shawl and jess has kindly given a skein of yarn to give away now it's not the the luscious base but it's her super sheep aran which she knit an earl grey hat claire divine's earl grey hat in selkie colourway and it was on the front page of Ravelry just before Christmas um, it was quite exciting now this this yarn is 100% British Blueface Leicester and it is squishy so squishy this, it's in the selkie colourway which is a gorgeous teal and green and really difficult to photograph correctly so I'm going to put a, quite a few pictures up on, on the show notes for you to have a look at to avoid total confusion of having two giveaways on the one post, I'm going to create a separate post for this for entries into this giveaway, and I'm going to put the links on the show notes. So you'll you'll find a link in the same place at www.netbritish.net forward slash ep hyphen twenty three, and you'll find the link to the ginger twist giveaway. Thank you so much to Jess for giving me that yarn to review and giving me a beautiful yarn to give away. Again, the the super sheep is full of air and warmth and squish. You can't actually go any better than knitting one of Claire's fantastic tea collection hats that I was talking about last time with it. Again, a cowl would be fantastic. The um, flow of the colours really really actually quite um, enticing very those wa- those 
teals and greens are very sort of sea-like um, and very wave-like. Um, so thank you so much, Jess, for, for that yarn and for letting me uh, review her luscious yarn, of which she will have in abundance at the Edinburgh Yarn Festival. So please, if you're going to the Edinburgh Yarn Festival, if you don't go past Jess's stall, I'll be really annoyed with you because I talk about heaps and she's fantastic and her yarns are amazing and I really want you to squish this yarn. <laughs> I wanted to say thanks about your, for your feedback about my chat last episode about communities. Your feedback was wonderful. Thank you so much. Some of you belong to multiple knit nights and groups and other of you, others of you prefer your online communities. Some though find that, that online and real life craft communities are too knit focused and don't have don't include other crafts and I should maybe apologise because I talked about this from a knit point of view because that is my focus but it is important to remember that knit does dominate a lot of craft communities and that there are places for crocheters and felters and textile artists. Over in the thread on the Knit British group some talked about how they'd like to be part of a knit community but established groups meet out with suitable times or it's hard to try and find the right kind of community. And while sticks and strings are the main shared interest, some knitters are seeking to join certain kinds of craft communities to suit their suit their own needs and interests. An emphasis on wool, not acrylic, and an emphasis on indie, indie designers and, and not commercial yarn company designs. And Anna the D and the Knit British Other Group, she wondered if that sounded snobby, um, that she seeks that out. And I don't think that does at all. I think it's another part of community. I always remember at at, at university looking at um, Tuckman's model of storming, farming, norming and performing, um, uh, the, how you build groups. And, um, you know, shared interest is a, is a big part of, of that. But we also strive in to find the benefits that we need to get from a group and a community. And I, I really want to look at this in, in more detail again, because I think it's really important to look at and recognise our connections through craft and also highlight the areas that you feel it's coming up short. So keep your messages coming into the Knit British Ravelry thread and I'll put the link in the show notes. But I thought it'd be really nice to share with you some of the community-based feedback from the last uh, since the last episode uh stitched together who is chrissy from the stitch together podcast she said as with others in our online community i have poor health and without my participation in the online community i very likely would have given up on life and taken to consuming large quantities of antidepressants i barely leave the house but i have many people to chat to because of ravelry instagram twitter and other podcasts listening to slash watching a familiar voice slash face and keeping up with their news means you feel part of something bigger. I can say that when I started blogging in 2008, the blogging community was very active. However, in the last couple of years, I hardly get any comments on my blog. There's far more interaction on Instagram and I find myself spending much more time on there. I'm so glad I discovered podcasts a couple of years ago because that community is even more interactive and community driven than the blogging community ever was. I still blog occasionally, but I know I get so much more feedback and interaction from posting a photo on Instagram or chatting on a thread in a Ravelry board. 
I recently started joining with virtual knit nights and would love to host my own, preferably before I start to feel too rubbish because I know my health at the moment would mean having to flake out all the time. It's much easier for now to join in with someone else's virtual knit night than duck in and out after half an hour or so when I start to feel ropey. I have found so much warmth, support and generosity within the online crafting community and I believe it has saved my sanity. Without the people around the craft, taking part in crafting activities would be a hollow experience for me. As I never get to show my knits off to colleagues or very many friends, let's face it, we all like to show off our finished objects, right? Yeah, you are right, Chrissy, and thank you for being so honest about your how you feel about your community and you know it's true blogging the blogging community is very different from the podcasting community i do get comments on the blogs from time to time but i get far more emails i get far more interaction via ravelry you send me ravelry messages and i think that's the thing and i think that also comes from feeling that you're part of something isn't it lovely that we feel part of a community here um whether it's the podcasting community i love that you drop me a line that there is that sort of we know each other we we are our people you know here are our people <laughs> it's very strong uh, as chrissy says online communities uh, are very strong and actually if it wasn't for online communities lots of people would have no community because they would have no outlet for their craft um, and it's true, as as Chrissy says, we all like to show off our finished objects, and that is one of my favourite bits. And Chrissy's podcast is her showing off our done and dusteds. I also wanted to read out Nellie Ann Jane. She said, I'm not sure I'm ready to knit with others yet. Not that confident about my knitting. I know there are at least four knitting groups around me. Two are in local libraries. One I know about because I see them breaking up at midday when I pop in for a coffee. The other I find out about when they had a display at the other local library that I use. Libraries rule! Yay! Uh, <laughs> sorry for that interjection. Uh, as, I, as I know both of these are during the day, I can't join in because I'm at work. The other two groups are evening groups and I I consider dropping in. One is a craft group at a local cafe, so anything goes. The other is a knit night at my local yarn shop. I can't spend too many evenings out. I do want to spend some time at home, so I'm not quite sure I'll drop into both. But like everyone else, on, uh, I'm getting my community via Ravelry podcast, Twitter and blogs, which have expanded my horizons further than designer yarn stocked locally. Would I get that from a real life group? I think I'm going to have to find out. Yes, you are going to have to find out because I touched on that last time that there are communities that we would like to be part of, groups that we would like to be part of, especially you find this on Ravelry with board lurkers. You know, you join a group, but you might not join in with the conversation. You sort of lurk to see if it's your kind of thing. And, and it's the same with finding a, a group for you that fits. Now, Nellie and Jane you know, might not have done much knitting in public. There are a lot of us who haven't done much knitting in public. We Lots of us knit in the comfort of our own homes and nobody else sees us knitting. And that might be a trepidation too, knitting in public. That You definitely have to try. As uh, lots of people, have, other people have said in the thread, some of the knitting groups that they joined to begin with, they didn't stay with for very long, but they still learned something from it. They either learned that it was the group for them or not, but also you know, maybe learn some new skill or technique or took something away with them. But definitely give it a try, Nellie and Jane, and we want to hear all about it. There was a lot of encouragement for you to do that, so we'd love to hear hear that. Yes, we can be trepidatious about, about joining communities. And again, is it part of that storming, norming, forming, performing thing where you're joining a, a, a group that's already established? 
They've already formed. They've already established their norms. But there's no nothing to say that that can't be open to new membership. Uh, and uh, I think it's really, really interesting. And again, I want to come back to this. And I've had some really interesting emails and hopefully something that we can maybe talk about later on in, the po- in another podcast. So please keep your ideas about community coming into the Knit British group on Ravelry. And send me your emails or blog comments or however you want to do it. I'd love to hear from you. Also, last episode, I talked a bit, a bit about Knit Local, and this is something I've talked about for a little while, uh, mentioned back and forth for a little while, that, that I get a lot of, of emails and messages from people who are outside the UK who are buying British wool, and I love that. You're fantastic that, that my enabling has, has enabled you <laughs> to knit with British bead wool. But also, it's really important to think about your own local wool industry and uh, your own wool miles and supporting the local wool industry where you live. So I asked you last time, if you're not in the UK, would you like to tell me something about the wool industry where you live? And uh, there was a few, actually, and I think this there's going to be fuel for quite a few episodes to come. Uh, I want to share those uh, with you, those knit local stories with you. This The first person who, who got in contact with me is Iriberio, I hope I'm saying that right, on Ravelry and she's Isa from Portugal and she says, hi there, I'm Isa from Portugal, I'm not sure if I've ever participated in group threads before but I thought you'd like to know a bit about Portuguese sheep breeds I'm by far no specialist and the information I'm sharing here is from things I've read on Rosa Pomar's blog, she is a yarn shop owner in Lisbon and an all round Portuguese wool connoisseur and she has some nice Portuguese sheep breed wool yarn for sale in her shop at retrosaria.rosapomar.com There you can find yarn from the... Now, I hope I say these right, Isa. Um, there you'll find yarn from Bordelera de Entre Dura e Minho Buco, the Bordelera de Serra de Estrela Buero, Churo Coberto, Churo Galgel, Galega Ma, Mirandesa. I'm so sorry that I'm butchering these these names uh, and Merino and I can't pronounce those names but she goes on to say that Merino is a breed originally from the Iberian Peninsula as well as other locally produced yarns I've already tried out the Bucos yarn and I have a sweat quantity of Beroa to knit with and I love both but I wish they had thinner yarn for sale because I really don't like to work with bulkier yarns. They're all almost naturally produced and spun. Buco is in reality hand spun and therefore a bit rougher than most yarns but not unpleasant to use at all. Another very fresh Portuguese wool yarn that has come out is Victoria from Ovela Negra and uh, I'll put the, all these links in the show notes uh, and that is another yarn shop in Porto. This is also from the Bordelera wool and I really want to try this out. I think it would be great for colour work and even socks. I think Bordelera is a long wool, so it should be fairly resistant. If you're lucky enough, you can find Portuguese alpaca yarn from a small alpaca farm at the centre of the country. And again, there's a link, and I'm going to put this in the show notes. Ovela Negra is the only place that I know that carries it. 
Unfortunately, in the latter 20 to 30 years, production of wool and yarn in Portugal has become almost extinct and traditional sheep breeds from Portugal have been bred for meat and milk production rather than wool, with the shorn wool either being given away or trashed and most of the older mills have now closed. Yet there are still some resistant mills that are constantly menacing to close, but most of the time the wool is not sourced in Portugal. Lopo Xavier is a brand from Porto that makes beautiful fingering and sport weight yarn in large array of colours. There's Milton's, Chicot's Bancal and Rosaria's Four. They must be the largest Portuguese yarn brands that have, and have been that have been growing and selling yarn throughout Europe. And I have used Rosaria's Four, their milk yarn, and that's a really, really soft yarn. What great knowledge about Portuguese wool. And I really didn't know there were so many different kinds of breeds and different kinds of yarns available. So I'm going to put the, all those links that she mentioned in in the show notes that, so that you can see for yourself. As she goes on later to say that the, the, the knitting industry in Portugal you know, has suffered like many have with the availability of cheap ready-to-wear clothing but that the knitting industry is you know, clawing its way back. Thank you so much, Isa, for, for that. And as, as I say, I have had quite a few other replies about your knit local stories. And so if you are interested in telling me about the wool that's local to you in your country, then drop me a line, louise at knitbritish.net. You don't have to be an expert, as Isa says. She's given given us so much information there, but as she says, she's not a specialist. But it's so interesting to find out about what's local to you and what the wool industry is like in your country. Hap, hap, hooray! <laughs> Heaps of hap interest since last episode. I've decided that the cast-on date for the hap along will be the 10th of April till 12th of July. I like a cal that starts on a Friday because you have all of the weekend to knit. And I like a long cal. And because a hap can be knit as a shawl or a blanket, I wanted to give plenty of time for everyone to be able to complete their projects. So a nice long cal. I'm going to schedule some weekly posts with some hap inspiration. And that started last Friday with some haps from Gudrun Johnson. If you're a subscriber to the blog at www.netbritish.net, you will get that in your inbox. Otherwise, check out the blog on a Friday morning for your ha- your weekly dose of hap interest because it gives you more inspiration to choose a pattern and then think about colours and I'll be doing my own post on my own colour choices I think if I settle on them <laughs> soon. I think we're going to try and have a virtual knit night too on the cast on night but I need to think a little bit more about that. Let's, let's have a little bit of a, a knit British community night and let's get together we'll have a hashtag we'll do it on social media where you can chat in the Ravelry group let's all get together and cast on our haps and I don't know maybe have a wine, maybe have some nibbles, maybe have some Demis Roussos no sorry I went into Abigail's party there I'm so sorry Uh, (laughs) there was no knitting in Abigail's party but there was wine and cheese and nibbles (laughs) and Demis Roussos Keep your eye on knitbritish.net for more posts about haps. And you can also find the hap interest thread in the Knit British Ravelry group. Please feel free to post your pattern choices and your colour choices and your yarn choices in the hap interest post and keep talking about it. Keep asking questions. Um, I'm not a hap expert, but I think it's quite nice to, to sort of discover a little bit about the shawl and a bit about its history and a bit about how it, it's had a little bit of a re- resurgence recently in recent years with lots of designers working with 
the traditional pattern and all lots of designers turning the traditional pattern on its head. So look out for those posts and uh, do join in the chat in the Knit British Ravelry group. Well, that has been a lot of chat. <laughs> I hope you are still with me out there. I knew this was going to be a long podcast and actually I had even more but it's all too much high vibration for one episode alongside yarn reviews and yarn giveaways and book reviews and book giveaways etc. So come back next week for episode 24. Now next week I am going to have an interview with Kathy Scott of Stitch Mastery who will be discussing the new Stitch Mastery software that every knitter is going to want in their arsenal and I'm not even kidding. I have a a brief interview with her and I'm also going to do a quick EYF preview because I haven't really got talking about that as I thought that I might. So come back next week on Thursday the 5th for episode 24 to hear more about that fantastic new software from Stitch Mastery and you will have to scrape me off the ceiling because it will be then a week, a mere week before the Edinburgh Yarn Festival and I will be talking a lot more about Podcast Lounge and um, what you can expect and what I'm looking forward to. Now do remember that you can enter the giveaways You can enter the Bletchley Collection giveaway on the show notes for this podcast. And you can enter the Ginger Twist Studio Yarn giveaway as well. Both those competitions are going to be open until Tuesday the 31st of March. And so do enter to be in with a chance of winning those. Now before I go, I always like to do the hellos and thanks and say hello to the new kids in the Knit British group. Hello to James in St. Louis, who is James from St. Louis, Missouri. Sophie M. Cotton, who's Sophie from Staffordshire. Chico, who is Laurie from Kingwood, Texas. Tigris Dia, who is Georgina from Greenock. Hello, Georgina. Bannock Baby, who is Lizzie from Shetland. Sarah Pomegranate, who is Sarah from Shawnee on Delaware in Pennsylvania. Hello to you new kids. Hello to all of you in the British group. And let's also go over to the Say Hello thread and see if there's anybody new over there. Yes, Lizoid. Hi there. Liz from Australia. Knit more than I can wear slash use. I love British yarns, especially the dark Welsh mountain and Hebridean fleeces and also Shetland, of course. I'm planting seeds in husband subconscious to go to Shetland Islands next year. Love the podcast and can't wait for the hap along. That's lovely. Thank you for that, Lizoid. Oxford Kitchen is Katie from Oxford and she says hello I'm Katie and I'm based in Oxford I live here with my husband and three small children I used to be in Oxford blue stocking I guess I am a non-remember now and I naturally dye British Blueface Leicester as Oxford Kitchen Yarns I've been listening to your podcast for about three months now and really enjoying them I've been knitting since I was seven taught by my nan nan naturally and though in these early parenting years I've been living a bit of an isolated knitting life I'm off to the spring knitting and stitching show in London next month with my BF FF and hoping to go to Fibre East in the summer. Waves. Hi, waving back at you, Katie. Jade's Fire says, hello. I just posted one of the other threads and I thought I should drop in here to say hello properly. I'm Laura and I live in Oxford. Another Oxford person. Oh, I wonder if you guys know each other. Hmm. Maybe you should get together and have a little knit night or crochet night. <laughs> um, oh, she is a... <laughs> She's a crocheter. I'm Laura and I live in Oxford and I'm a crocheter rather than a knitter. I can knit simple things but generally prefer to crochet. But I love listening to people who are passionate about their subjects. So I've been really enjoying the podcast and hearing more about British beads, about which I know embarrassingly little. 
We've got a couple of great yarn shops in Oxford, although I'm on a self-imposed craft diet at the moment for financial reasons. On the plus side, I'm having fun planning what I'll buy once I can afford it. Wish I could make it to the EYF. The yarn tasting sounds like an awesome idea. Yes, I'll talk a little bit more about that in the next episode. And Daisy Knitter. Hi, I'm Linda and I live in Durham. I've been listening to your podcast for a while but haven't introduced myself. Sorry to be tardy. I love your chat about knitting communities. Like so many, I came to knitting because of illness and it's made a huge difference to my sanity and made my friends and family like me better. I'm coming to chat on Wool Week in September with two friends. We are ridiculously excited. I won't be able to make it to the Edinburgh Yarn Festival, but I hope you have a fantastic time. Thank you so much and excitement about about going to chat on Wool Week. That's wonderful. Finally, I can't read them all out, but finally, Julianne from the state of Washington. My grandparents came over from Scotland and my grandmother taught me to knit. They were involved with the clan group and Daughters of Scotia in California when I was a girl. I loved to listen to them chatter, the brogue getting thicker as their friends gathered. I wanted to knit the half hat for a long time and April is a perfect cast on time for me. So happy to be joining up with you lovely knitters. Wish I could come to the festival in Scotland next month, but I will be listening for reports. That's lovely. Thank you, Julianne. And thank you everybody for listening and everybody who who has commented in the Knit British Ravelry group, who sent me messages and emails and uh, direct messages on Ravelry and tweets. And for those of you who have liked uh, and reviewed the podcast on iTunes, thank you so much. That means uh, such a lot that you take the time to click and rate and review. And thank you for those who are listening via Stitcher. There are some of you out there listening via Stitcher. That's really nice to hear. Um... I joined, uh, put the podcast on Stitcher because uh, some of you have that as your preferred method of listening. So I'm glad to see you guys enjoying the podcast too. Well, that is it for me till next week. So do remember that I will be back on Thursday the 5th of March. After that, episode 25 will be uh, slightly later in the month than usual but I will let you know next podcast when that will be. I like to try and podcast every other week, but sometimes when things like Edinburgh Yarn Festivals get in the way, then we can forgive that, can't we, dear listeners? <laughs> so I have absolutely no idea what the music is because I'm recording this before I've chosen it. You can find all the links in the show notes and you will also find all the notes uh, and links from that I've discussed on the podcast today. Until next time, just a mere few days away, take good care, have a lovely weekend, and I will see you soon. Bye now. Thanks for listening to the Knit British Podcast. To find out more, visit www.knitbritish.net. You can email me, louise, at knitbritish.net. I'm on Twitter and Instagram as at knit underscore British, and I'm on Ravelry as Lyra. You can listen to the podcast via iTunes, Stitcher Radio and knitbritish.net. 